and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Yeah, happy St. Patty's Day to you. Hope you guys have a good one, have a lot of fun out there, but of course, be safe. Yeah. Now, we have a great podcast lined up. If you guys haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, be sure you go ahead and do so right now. That would be great. Uh, but like I said, we got an awesome podcast lined up. Now, some of my regular listeners, maybe you might have noticed, uh, we didn't have a new episode last week, and normally I come out with new episodes every Wednesday, but... Um, this past week was the first time we had to skip a week, and it was unexpected. We it was not planned to skip that week, but you know, my wife and I uh, had some had some. We have some sad news to share with you, and that we unfortunately lost our oldest dog, Penny Lane. Um, she was twelve and a half, and we had to make the tough decision to put her down last week. So, um, you know, I apologize not getting a new episode out there, but obviously, all you dog lovers <laughs> understand why. Uh, it's been a really tough week. It's been a hard week. But, you know, getting through it, trying to trying to get life back to normal as we can and, and um, do what we can. But, you know, this episode really just want to sort of dedicate it to my girl, Penny Lane, my best friend. And I'm going to talk more about that today in one of the segments and might be a little tough to get through, but we're going to do it. Uh, and speaking of, let's talk about the podcast. So, you know, the first segment I have lined up for you today, I wanted to start with something a little lighter, a little more fun. I actually had something ridiculous happen to me like two, two weeks ago or so. And it's just a silly little story I had to share with you. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Then the next segment will be a segment titled, Don't Be Mean, Just Mean It. Yes, that's my saying. It's my favorite saying. I love to use it all the time. And really, it's just so to the point. Don't be mean, just mean it. And we're going to talk about how that applies to your training and with your dog. So definitely check that out. Now, following this segment, it's going to be the hard segment. It's going to be called Mourning the Loss of a Dog. And, uh, you know, obviously, I'm going to be talking a bit about my girl, Penny Lane, there. Um, what an amazing, incredible dog she was. And we're going to hear some of the stories of how she helped my, my, my training, other dogs and people over the years, and just really what a great dog she was. Um, following that, we'll have our Breed of the Week, then the listener Q&A. And if you guys have questions for that listener Q&A, be sure you email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. But before we get moving here with the show today, I got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is, what breed of dog famously has a purple tongue? And I'll give you the answer to today's question somewhere in the podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy. Speak a dog cast, it's just a funny story. <laughs> yeah, I have a little short, funny story I kind of wanted to share with you guys, something a little bit on the lighter side for the episode today. And you know, it, I kind of have to laugh at myself a bit. It was <laughs> it was just a little bit of a, a brain lapse on my part, I guess you could call it. Hey, we're all human at the end of the day. But you know, in, in, in all the time I've been training dogs and have dogs in and out of my car over the years, I have never had this happen one time. Nope, never had this happen until a couple weeks ago. And I'll, let me tell you a little bit about what happened. Now, 
it was my doggy day camp day. And on doggy day camp day, um, I, I make my rounds. I pick up my client dogs. We go for a nice big long pack walk. And hey, if you guys want to check out what that looks like, you can go to my Instagram, speak a dog cast. We've got some cool pictures up there of me with the packs of dogs on, on the doggy day camp, sometimes on the walking days too. But uh, you can see some doggy day camp pictures. It's a lot of fun when we take a break and all the dogs are lined up hanging out and chilling. Uh, so yeah, be sure you go check that out. But anyway, it's doggy day camp day. We do that big walk. And then after that, we pile back in my van. We head back to my property. We, uh, we, we have play time, socialization time, some days swim time. Some days we go for another walk down the hiking trails and it's just a lot of fun for them, you know, and a lot of fun for me and really good stimulation and, and awesome for them. So I'm picking up all the dogs about halfway through my rounds. I've got some of my own dogs in the car. I've got some boot camp dogs in the car and I've got about, like I said, half of my, half of my doggy day camp crew. Picked up this next dog. I'm walking back to my car. I go to open the door to my car and the doors are locked. <laughs> now, luckily the car is running, the AC is on, but the doors are locked and I've got a group of dogs in there. And not only that, I see one dog just hanging out on the front seat with his feet right up on the side armrest, right where the lock button is. Yeah, he had put his foot on the lock button and locked the doors to the car. Oh boy. Now my, my phone is in there. Of course, obviously my keys are in there. And, you know, I went, my client was gracious enough to start making some phone calls for me and told my other clients, hey, he's going to be a little bit behind this morning. We're going to be a little delayed. <laughs> as well as calling some of their friends who had AAA. Oh, nice enough to call AAA. I mean, everybody was just very supportive in that moment, in my momentary lapse of judgment that we all have at some point in our life. Um, and we also called, the, they have a wonderful security staff in their neighborhood. And, you know, we were hoping, fingers crossed, hey, you guys don't by chance open unlocked doors, do you? Or open car doors, unlock car doors doors. There we go. <laughs> and no, of course they don't, but he came to check it out anyway, make sure everything's okay. And, you know, he asked us, he said, Hey, so the dog stepped on the lock to, to lock it. And he said, yeah. He said, have you, have you tried to get him to step on the unlock button? And I looked at him and said, oh man, who's the dog trainer here? Like, <laughs> My brain was so focused on being concerned for the welfare of my client's dogs and their safety and everything. Uh, you know, the AC, like I said, car was running, AC was running plenty of gas, but it's still in that moment, your brain is, is not thinking 100% clearly. And I went, oh my gosh, like, duh. <laughs> so we each got on one side of the car. By this point, the dogs, a uh, few, like I think two other dogs jumped in the front seat because they were inquisitive as to what in the world's going on up there. This isn't our normal routine. And we both started to try to coerce them to step on the unlock button. And wouldn't you know it, within about five minutes, I got one of the dogs to actually push unlock. I grabbed the door handle, opened it so fast. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we got the car open and all was well. Now I have a valet key in my key fob because the key fob is like a chip. And then I've got a valet key in it. That's a manual key that I can still unlock my front door with. And so that key now lives in my pocket when it, whenever I have dogs in my car, right? Lesson learned. <laughs> so definitely take a lesson from my stupidity, <laughs> learn from my mistake and always keep that spare key nearby and in your pocket. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. 
No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Potts. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak a Dogcast, it's a segment called Don't Be Mean, Just Mean It. Now, this is a saying I came up with a couple years ago, and to me, it's kind of the essence of how we should be approaching our training. It's a very basic and simplistic way to say, hey, don't be a jerk to your dog, <laughs> but be confident and sure of yourself at the same time, right? Um, you know, look, in general, in life, to me, there is nothing wrong with being confident. I think confidence is is survival when it comes down to instinct and, and our evolution. And, you know, as biological humans, we need confidence. Confidence equals survival. And quite frankly, it's like that for a lot of species when you really think about it, a lot of animals, and especially when we're talking about dogs. There's a hierarchy, right? We've talked about this before. Uh, my segment on, on Be the Pack Leader, How to Be the Pack Leader, you can check that out. I kind of dive into it a little more. But, you know, it's there is a hierarchy here. It's just kind of how it works. And again, confidence equals survival. So to me, when I say don't be mean, just mean it, I, it's pretty much saying don't be a jerk, <laughs> but be sure of yourself. And, you know, great examples, again, are in like, like sports. If you have a coach, you don't want a coach who's going to be a giant jerk to you, but you don't want a coach who's like terrified to go out there and beat the other team, right? <laughs> you want somewhere in the middle in that, in, in, the, in looking for those leadership qualities. Um, no different, even when you're involved in a club or, or any other extra activities that maybe they have a board, right? We have a president, a vice president. Normally, it's not the most passive, introverted person running for the role of president. It's someone who maybe exudes some confidence, who's going to lead, right? So confidence equals survival. So really, that's what I mean by the just mean it part. It doesn't mean you need to be harsh. It doesn't need to mean you know need to mean you need to be crazy or anything like that. You just have to mean it. You have to have confidence in what you're saying and what you're doing and working with your dog. Now, this can go back to you should also know what you're doing, right? Please hire a trainer. Please hire a behavior specialist, guys, if you really have, have questions or maybe a more severe behavioral issue with your dog. Um, in order to be confident in what you're doing, yes, part of it is, hey, you fake it till you make it. <laughs> there is a side of it to that. And I do. I teach my clients that. You sort of need to need to convince yourself in a way by faking it, by putting your shoulders back, by keeping your head up, by taking a deep breath before you walk out that door, putting yourself into that mental state. And maybe you need to fake it a little bit until you make it, until it becomes habit. But it's hard to be confident if you don't know what you're doing, Right. If you can't explain what you're doing with the leash, with the treats, with the, working with your dog, if you don't know what you're doing, then that confidence is, you know, you can fake it to a certain degree, but there's going to be a point where it's not going to be in that faking. It isn't going to be enough, right? So you also have to be knowledgeable of what you're doing to have confidence. So I highly encourage you to listen to some of my other segments on, on training and the philosophy and the psychology behind it, because that how and why is so important. 
You know, I go back to it a lot. I, I do. I, I give my clients this little two-page informational sheet. It's really simple. And clients out the my, my current clients that are listening to this podcast, because I've been giving it as a homework assignment now, it's working really well, actually. Uh, clients who are listening to it now, how many of you recently have we had that discussion? <laughs> I'm calling you out. We've had that discussion where we're two or three sessions in and I'm going, Hey, so let's refer back to that two-page sheet. Uh, can you give me the definition of of positive reinforcement? And I get a blow. Oh, you can see the deer in the headlights stare from them like crap. <laughs> I didn't do my homework. Um, so I'm calling you out, guys, because having an understanding of the training you're trying to implement is really important. So you can't be confident. You can't just mean it. You can't just mean it, right? If you don't know what you're meaning, <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing. So I'm going to home back in on that, that you have to have an understanding of what you're doing in order to train your dog. My clients out there listening, got to go back to that two pager reference sheet. It's pretty good. Look, it's, it's not really complicated stuff. It starts with some basic understanding of how animals, especially dogs learn. Then it kind of gets into the how and why of the walk starts with some other basic guidelines and tips. And then there's four simple definitions. And even, even if, you know, they ignore the rest of that information and only pay attention to those four definitions, it's going to get you so much further in understanding what you're doing. And that leads us back to confidence, right? The only reason I, I think any trainer has success is, is two things. There's two reasons, confidence and knowledge. And in my experience, most trainers have one or the other, <laughs> <laughs> right? One or the other. It's rare you come across trainers or behavior specialists that have both. And I, I'm sorry, I'm being a little, yeah, I'm being confident in my knowledge of myself right now, but I've been doing this long enough and I've seen enough to know there are too many people out there who apply one and not the other. Apply the confidence part, but not the knowledge part, okay? So you can apply the confidence part with the don't be mean, just mean it mentality and be confident in what you do, but you're not going to get as far as you could if you don't have that knowledge. So that's why I'm spending a couple minutes honing in on let's remember, let's remember to understand the definitions of what we're doing, the psychology that goes behind it, why you're giving a treat when you are, why you're not giving a treat when you are, why you're reinforcing a behavior when you are, why you're not reinforcing, why you're punishing a behavior when you are, why you're giving attention those things are important. Got to hone back in on it. Got to reiterate it. Have to say it again. Make sure you understand what you're doing and working with your dog because that will translate to having confidence in working with your animal. You can be sure of yourself if you know what you're doing, but it's really hard to be sure of yourself. It's really hard to be confident. It's really hard to just mean it if you don't know what you're doing. Okay. You know, I can tell I can tell when clients have done their homework, one, because the dog is going to tell me. <laughs> That's something I really love about my profession. If the dog is better than they were last week, guess what? Client's been doing their homework. But if the dog is worse or maybe in the same place we were, you know, it tells me the client is not doing their homework because this stuff is pretty, pretty basic and it's psychology. So if you put in one, you put in one, you're going to get two, right? So that's the nice thing about my profession. My, my clients can tell me that. And, you know, the reason I'm kind of, or excuse me, the dogs can tell me if my clients have done the homework. And, you know, the reason I'm mentioning this <laughs> is because I'll see the clients that fumble that are still, we're, we're four or five sessions in, you know, we're, we're, we're into training now. Um, and they're still kind of fumbling and you can tell they're trying to think about too many things. It's, you know, they haven't been practicing. They're not confident in what they do. They're not able to just mean it. And what ends up happening is they get frustrated and then the anger part comes in and now we're being mean and we're not even meaning it. Okay. And what result do they get? The dog not behaving, right? 
So you have to hone in the saying. It's it's so simplistic. It's such a simple saying, but man, it just hits the nail on the head. Don't be mean, just mean it. Okay. So here's the other part. So the, the communication side, right? Okay. Let's say we are knowledgeable. Now, how do we kind of implement that into taking the saying and, and putting it into our training, right? Okay. Well, David, I understand positive negative reinforcement. Now, how do we put it into play with the saying? Okay. So, <laughs> you know, again, I've, I've mentioned before, no matter what kind of behavior I'm working with, with a dog, I, I have to keep my cool. It's tough. It took, it takes time to practice because guys, I mean, we're all people, we're all humans at the end of the day. It's only natural for us to get frustrated at some points. So it takes some practice. There's a reason people practice meditation, practice yoga, practice these calming, recentering, um, you know, things to, to, to bring their brain back to a center because we're humans and that's in our nature. We get frustrated. So it takes practice and rehearsal, if you will, to not get frustrated when a dog is being nuts, to not get frustrated if a dog is being aggressive, to not get frustrated when this dog has pulled you over on the walk 10 times and has actually hurt you. How could you not get frustrated with that, right? It's tough. It's tough. But you really have to just put the personal feelings aside. And like I said before, the reason why is they're going to reflect back at you. So not only do we not want to be mean to our animals for the simple fact that, my gosh, we don't want to be mean to our animals, uh, that first and, of course, most important fact aside it's also because your dog, like I said, they're going to reflect that back at you. So you don't want to be mean because it's just going to get you a poor result. It's, it, it's really that simple at the end of the day. Okay. Yes, we don't want to be mean to our animals, but of course, it also gets you a bad result. So there's no point in getting frustrated with your dog. There really isn't. It's not going to accomplish anything. It's only going to make your life harder. Okay. So don't be mean. Don't be mean. That's Easier said than done. <laughs> Look, even frustration to me, even getting frustrated, it's not that you're being mean, but you're, again, your dog is just going to interpret it as, oh, you know, I don't, he's not acting very confident. If he's not sure of himself, why should I be sure? You know, that's, that, they're just going to kind of look at you and think that. So you have to be calm and collected, be calm as a cucumber. Like I said, uh, calm, calm but assertive really is the right way to say it. That's the domain. Okay. So just meaning it. How do we just mean it? There's a lot of little different things in here. First thing I want to start with, I've kind of talked, I've touched on it, I think, before. The, don't get a case of the dips. <laughs> we got to get rid of the dips. No dips. What are the dips? Sit, stay, stay. <laughs> Those are the dips. We don't want any dips. Dips sound so unconfident. You sound so unsure. You almost sound scared. Like, stay. Oh my gosh. She's not going to do it. Stay. The world might end if he doesn't stay. <laughs> like you, can't. you know, that's what it just sounds like. That's what you're giving off. So you can't have the dips. You got to get rid of the dips. No dips. It's, hey, stay. Be matter of fact. Hey, stay. That's how you just mean it. Sit, stay, good boy. Sit, stay, good boy. You also hear the consistency in my tone? That's another good way to just mean it. It's very matter of fact and very to the point. It's very consistent, okay? That conveys confidence to the dog. That's how I just mean it, okay? If you don't sound sure of yourself, if your body language doesn't look sure of itself, look, uh, I'll get an example, the front door. If you haven't listened to my segment uh, podcast on the front door, go back, check that one out. Uh, you'll learn a little bit more about what I'm talking about. But there's an exercise we do to get our dogs to sit and stay at the front door. And when I have my clients running through this, it's amazing how they'll they'll get the dog in the sit and stay, but then they start backing away really slowly and going, stay. 
stay and backing away really unsure and you can see the dog watching them like are you what should i should i get up should i move forward your your body language is saying you're not sure you can see like the mental battle going on of the dog is trying to follow the person's lead but the person's lead is well just crappy there's no other way to put it it's not a good you're not giving off good confident information so then the dog goes oh i guess i should get up and walk toward you and, and not listen and You're not displaying a quality of a leader. And again, I know some people don't like to hear the blunt truth, but you know something, guys? Uh, It's been a couple episodes maybe since I've said it. My job is to not be your friend. My job is to not be nice. And look, if there's other trainers out there who approach it with more of the sugarcoating mentality and that's your thing, to each his own and and have fun, you know? Uh, But dogs don't BS. Dogs don't mess around. So... I view it as I am doing the client and the dog a disservice if I sugarcoat things, if I'm not truthful with you, if I'm not honest with you. If you view that as being mean, again, to each his own, I- I'm sorry. It's not being mean. It's being truthful. And normally when someone says, oh, you're being mean to me, it means that they're not ready to hear the truth. I can't help you there. You've got to come to that. Okay, You have to come to the fact that you need to be ready to hear the truth with your animals. And if you're not, ah. <sighs> Sorry, I can't do anything about that. Okay, a little side note there. Um, I do, you know, again, I've said a hashtag, sorry, not sorry. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, because again, my job is to be truthful and I don't need to apologize for that. And it's what has gained success behaviorally for clients, for dogs. It is what has helped dogs over the years. And, and I have seen that sugarcoating to me is lying and it doesn't help things. Puts a hindrance in the training by by sugarcoating and by oh let's ease in oh let's not hurt any feelings no guys this is this is animals don't play those games so if you want to really train your animal you can't play those games either and if you want to play those games well sorry not the right podcast for you maybe <laughs> oh my goodness all right I'm sorry I'll get off my soapbox I, I do it from time to time. Um, But look, guys, that's the truth of it. Don't be mean, just mean it. You have to have confidence with your animal. When I'm working with a dog, I like to tell people, you have to have intensity. You have to have intensity. Now, intensity does not mean being a jerk. (laughs) Intensity doesn't mean punishment. Intensity means confidence. Again, listen to the way I say it. If I'm asking a dog to sit and stay, I'm not going, hey, sit, hey, stay, good, good boy, good, stay, oh, that's good. Oh, what, good boy, hey, uh, uh." no, I'm going, hey, good, good, sit. Oh, good boy. Stay. Good. Stay. Good. All right. Good boy. Good. Come here. Good. Sit. Good. Stay. Good boy. Good. Good. Stay. Do you hear the intensity? You know, it's funny if I'm watching on my computer screen, right? I'm recording this on the computer and you can see the waves, right? You've seen the waves go up and down. And I I wish I, maybe I should take a screenshot of this um, and post it for the episode. But it's funny because you can see the difference in the waves. And when I'm going, they're tiny little waves, but you can see my intense ones are boom, to the point, to the point. And then there's a space to the point. And then there's a space to the point. And then there's a space. It's so funny because that's how I tell people to convey your information to your dog. And I know this may not make sense if you can't visualize it exactly, but that's kind of how I tell people get in and out with your information. And, and that's like a visual for it right there. The, the, the waves are kind of showing you. And you can see the intensity behind my voice. And not only that, you can see the consistency of the arc of the wave. Because my tone is consistent every time. It's simplistic, it's to the point, and it has intensity. Because intensity equals confidence. You notice I'm not being mean. I don't sound mean. Even if I'm going to redirect, it's, hey, hey, good, sit, good boy. 
And I got news for you. Right here on the waves, the intensity looks the same between my redirection, my correction, and my reinforcement. Because I have intensity with everything I do. I'm not being mean. What is it? Don't be mean. Just mean it. That is the essence of training right there, guys. It really is. You know, I've said it. There's like, there's like, I would say maybe five or six keys. And, you know, maybe at some point I'll try to pick them out and pull them together and do a segment on this maybe. Uh, but there really are. There's like five or six really kind of keys that are, that are the, the, the essence of training. And one of them to me is don't be mean, just mean it. Confidence equals survival. If we go from the instinctual perspective, okay, if we go from the instinctual perspective, confidence equals survival. Survival of the fittest, okay? If a predator or for that matter, if prey... Even prey have to be confident because if a, if, if a prey animal makes a wrong turn, goes to juke left and should have juked right to get away from a predator, what happens? <laughs> Done. They better be confident in the moves that they make to escape a predator. Because why? Confidence equals survival. There's a reason that we, like as human beings, like to seek out confident leadership in, again, sports and activities. And when we sit on the board of, of, of a charity, or whatever, there's a reason we seek out the confident people. Why? Because confidence equals survival. Don't be mean, just mean it. What happens to someone who's overconfident, way arrogant? Normally they get taken off their pedestal, right? Because they didn't follow the first half of my saying, don't be mean. They meant it, maybe a little too much. Then there's the other side of the coin. What happens to somebody who's too passive, who's too weak? They get conquered and taken over, okay? Maybe they fell a little bit uh, off the edge of either way. They weren't being mean, nor were they meaning it. They took it to the other extreme. Don't be mean, just mean it. It's all about balance, as I talk about all the time. Life is about balance and that's what your relationship with your dog should be. And that is why my saying, don't be mean, just mean it, is so true. So think about that when you're working with your dog. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> but don't be so passive that your dog doesn't believe in your confidence. As I've said, your dog should want to seek out confidence in you. You should be a source of confidence and strength to your dog. And that is healthy. So don't be mean. Just mean it. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it is a segment about grieving over your dog. Now, this segment is going to be a little bit difficult today. Unfortunately, my wife and I had to make a, uh, the difficult decision, the hard decision, the tough decision to put down our dog Penny Lane last week. And, um, you know, honestly, she, she, was her, she was on her way out as it was. And it was not an easy thing to do ever, but... It's, it's what we needed to do. Ah, oh, man. Um, you know, Penny Lane was my half lab, half Great Dane. She was about 92 pounds and she was a really big girl, <laughs> but she was a big sweetheart and she was an incredible dog, guys. She was just absolutely amazing. She was a one, one in a million. And, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about grieving over your dog and, and, and a little about Penny Lane because, you know, everybody deserves to hear about her. Anybody out there that met Penny Lane knows what a special dog she was, what a unique dog she was. And, you know, she deserves a little bit of time. So a little bit of the spotlight today. Um, 
But anyway, we, uh, yeah, we adopted her and she was a puppy and it was an interesting time for me because, you know, my wife and I, we weren't married yet. Uh, I hadn't even started my business yet, but I knew I wanted to train dogs. And so I was looking for a dog that would both fit my wife and I, you know, our lifestyle of, of what we wanted in a dog breed wise and things like that. And a dog that was going to help me grow as a trainer. And we came across half lab, half great Dane Benny Lane. And, you know, when we got her, she had no confidence. She she didn't walk on a leash. They told us I actually got her walking on a leash in about 15 minutes in the vet store where the adoption was, which was awesome. Uh, it got her walking on a leash, walked back up to the adoption table and said, yep, this one. And her jaws were like on the floor. I go, what? How'd you get her to walk? <laughs> We've had her for months. Um, anyway, uh, you know, she was the perfect dog. She was exactly what I needed at that time. And I learned so much so much just in those first few months from working with her because she was what I needed temperament wise, breed wise. It just, it was perfect. And she was awesome. And you know, in those first few months, uh, like I said, she lacked some confidence, little things, right? We'd get to the threshold of a door <laughs> and she'd put on the brakes. She'd be walking on, you know, we got her walking on leash, but we get to the threshold of the door, brakes, try to put her in the car, brakes, uh, go up and downstairs, putting on the brakes. <laughs> and she was a little terrified of new things at first. And so it was such a great um, experience for me to learn how to build that confidence in her through building a good relationship between us. And of course, learning the concepts of psychology and how those can apply. But she really was just such a perfect dog for the time uh, for me. And, you know, she had a little bit of separation anxiety at first, you know, and I learned how to deal with, we curbed that really fast. I, I was able to work with her in that way and teach her how to not be anxious when I'd leave her, which was amazing. Um, there was just, there was just so many things that she taught me so early by being able to train and work with her. And part of it was I had a lot of time at that, you know, I was starting my business. I was working a part-time job. I, I did have a bit of extra time on my hands. I was young, <laughs> no commitments. And that allowed me to put in the time with my dog and what a reward I received back from doing that. Uh, I stress it all the time. You have to put in time, right? Working with your dog. And, you know, that was the perfect example of what happens when you put in the right time and the right training and the result you can get. Um, but anyway, she was incredible, guys. She was amazing. She was amazing. And, you know... She was an integral part, not only of my pack, what was, what was fascinating is, you know, after we got Penny, was the only dog for a little while, and then we ended up getting Colby Jack, my golden retriever, and then we got two other dogs at about the same time. We adopted two older dogs, uh, Lucky and Fred, and unfortunately, they're both no longer with us either, but, uh, but like I said, they were older when we got them. Um, Lucky lived to be 15, <laughs> half lab, half golden retriever. Fred lived to be 13. He was half lab, half St. Bernard. Uh, amazing. Two other, you know, just... Anyway, point is, they became a part of my pack, and Penny grew to sort of be this mom dog to everybody, and she was sort of the second in command, the beta, if you will, you know, how I feel about alpha and that word, uh, but but really she did, and she was so amazing to watch her. It was It was really cool and neat to watch her work with other dogs, and how she knew where the boundaries and where the lines were. And it was so cool. Look, I used to use her a lot as a gauge with other dogs. She'd come on appointments with me and 
it was amazing to watch her because she knew. She knew when to make eye contact with the, with the dog, when to avoid eye contact with the dog, when it's okay to go up and sniff him, hey, maybe we just need to keep our distance. She was so good at reading behavior and knowing what to do. And of course, part of that, I'll pat myself on the back with some of that was the training. <laughs> but some of it really was her. It was just, it was who she was as, as a dog from early on, her experiences that made her the way she was. And she was so good at it. She was so good at it that when I was learning years ago, when I, I wasn't uh, as good at reading dogs' temperament and behaviors as quickly as I am now, I used her. I used her as a gauge. <laughs> she really, it was so neat. You could just see her and go, oh, I, yeah, I can see Penny's not making eye contact. Cool. We're going we're gonna to kind of take our time on this one. Uh, and it allowed me to learn and understand better how to deal with dogs' behavior like that. And I can't even begin to estimate the number of dogs that Penny helped over the years. I can't. And she was so incredible how she helped them. She'd give, she'd help give dogs confidence. I would actually uh, tether other dogs to her on the walk, and she would help them start walking better just by her, the way she exuded her confidence. Um, and it was just, it was, it was, it was really neat to watch her work. It was unique. It was different than other dogs and even my other dogs in my pack now. Now I give Violet credit. Violet's my female golden retriever. She's, I mean, what, she's almost seven, I think. Uh, and she's just now starting to get to where Penny was at like one and a half <laughs> as far as being able to help other dogs read their behavior, read their temperaments, knowing how to react. She's coming. I got to get, like I said, I got to give her credit. She's learning. She's really stepped it up. And that's even neater is once Penny starts slowing down, Violet started stepping up and you see the temperament and the dynamics of the pack and how they change over the years. Um, and it just speaks so highly to Penny. It does. And how she taught other members of my pack, how she taught other dogs. Um, just it, God, I, like getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Not only did she help other dogs, she helped people. She helped my own mom, helped her get over her fear of big dogs, helped her uh, understand big dogs better. And she helped countless people get over their fear of big dogs. She was just a one of a kind, that girl. And um, I don't know that I'll ever have another one like her. And I'm just so grateful. I can't even begin to explain how grateful I am that I got the experience to work with her, to have her be my friend to have her be my bud, my companion, um, to have her be a part of my my career, my training experience, my life, our life, my wife and I. Um, there's just no words, really, when it comes to it. There, there aren't. Um, it's, you know, this is the grieving part, guys. It's like there's a hole in our life right now. It's like a piece of me is missing. It's, it's a dog. <laughs> I, I love her. She was, I loved her, love her still, you know, it's like, it's like a, it's like a family member going, um, and it's okay to grieve over your pet. It's okay to take some time, you know, Just take a day or two, three off from work guys. I, I, people might give you a hard time for that. Those people don't understand people that give you a hard time for grieving over your dog hard, I don't think I've ever had a relationship, a true, really deep relationship with an animal. People that say, oh, it's a dog. You're right. It's, it is a dog. But you don't understand what that means. If you don't understand that grieving hard over your dog is acceptable. 
grieving over them like they're a family member is perfectly fine. That's what you should do. If you really had that relationship with your pet, you should grieve over them. You should take some time. You should reflect. Now, with that said, um, you know, here's the educational part of it, guys. Um, I really, I really recommend that you not immediately go out and get a puppy right after you lose a pet. Take some time. You know, my wife and I, we've actually, we've been looking for the past few months. Uh, we'd already been looking into getting a new puppy because my pack was getting older and it was time to bring a new pup in and, and keep it going. <laughs> but we're, we're probably going to have to hold off just a little bit. Um, and exactly how long, that, that's really up to you individually. But what I'm trying to get at is you should grieve. Take some time to reflect on your dog and, and grieve and and. I mean, in a way, honor their life, right? You should. If they were a special part of your life, they were a special part of your family, don't just go out and get another dog to try to fill that hole. Let that hole be empty for a little while. It hurts. It sucks. It's like the worst thing ever. But I think you have to experience it and you have to grieve through it. And it's it's been a hard week, guys. It really has. Hard doesn't even begin to explain it, right? Anybody out there has lost a dog and lost their best friend like that, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, it, my wife and I, it's, it's just been oh, tough. It's been tough. A lot of tears, headaches, <laughs> sinuses getting blown up. I mean, Jesus, man, my my eyes look like I've, I've, I don't think I've ever looked in the mirror and seen such bags under my eyes before. Um it has been a tough week and you just, you know, what can you do? She was 12 and a half years old. She had an amazing life. Um, she did. She had an incredible life and she taught me everything, everything. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's an over-exaggeration. We do that. We're emotional. She didn't teach me everything. She taught me a lot. She taught me just, I mean, so much invaluable information about training, about dogs, about friendship, about a relationship. Um, she really was a special dog, a one of a kind dog. And like I said, anybody out there that met Penny Lane, you know what I'm talking about. She was cool. <laughs> she was too cool for school, man. Oh, I loved that dog and I will never forget her. And she's always going to have just this special chunk of me, you know, it's just a special piece. It's always going to be dedicated to her and Ugh. Like, are you ever ready for it? No. Oh, I wish Penny could have lived forever. Oh, God. Um, but I do want to I do want to take a second and I actually, you know, I really want to thank Indian Street Animal Clinic, Dr. Zenderman and his entire staff, um, because really they they're they're incredible. Um, they they really help you through the process. And uh, they've been my vet since I moved here. Uh, for a couple of my dogs, and um, I just really want to thank them a lot. Thank Doctor Z, Doctor Zenderman. Um, you, 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 and your staff are really amazing, and I thank you guys for helping us through such a tough time. And as you did with Lucky, and now you've done with Penny, um, and we're just so grateful that you guys were there for us and are are there for so many other people and their and their animals, and that you guys care. So I just wanted to say thank you to you guys. Take a moment there, but. Um, whew, man, oh, golly, uh, I think I did a little better than I thought I'd do getting through this. <laughs> um, but again, 
I just have to say it again, Penny. I'm I'm just so grateful for her. The time I got to spend with her, my wife and I, we had we were just we're both so lucky um, that I got to know her. That she got to be mine. <laughs> she got to be my best friend, and I will never forget that time. I will never take it for granted. And I love Penny Lane so very much. <laughs> Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Irish Setter. The Irish Setter are a member of the sporting group, and males can get to be about 70 pounds, with females coming in around 60 pounds. These guys are known for being athletic, enthusiastic, easily likable, and of course the Irish Setter is a showstopper with their grace and beauty. Yeah, we all know that gorgeous dark orange and red fiery colored coat they have, always an attention grabber, always gets the attention of onlookers. And while this breed is very sweet, very lovable, they're great with kids, there is a lot to keeping up with their mental health and grooming as well. They do need a lot of stimulation and a job to do. These do not make good apartment dogs, guys. They want to get out, they want to explore, and they want to have tasks to complete. And we're not talking about uh, minutes of exercise with this breed. We're talking about hours, yeah. But if you do take the proper amount of time and dedication towards your training and towards uh, keeping your Irish Setter stimulated, the reward and the bond that you will get with your dog and you will share with them will be well worth it. Again, they're phenomenal dogs. They really are, but they do take a lot of work, time, and dedication. There are a few potential health issues to be aware of. Uh, as with most larger breeds, hip dysplasia can be common. You also need to know about OCD. They can be susceptible, uh, susceptible to something called osteochondrosis. Now, what that means is there's an improper growth of the cartilage at the shoulder joint, and they will need surgery to correct that most likely. Uh, my, Col my golden retriever, Colby Jack, he actually had OCD as a puppy. We had to have surgery right about a year old when he was a year, and it did correct it, and he's been great ever since. Uh, but again, something to be aware of. Now, again, Irish setters, they can also be susceptible to hypothyroidism, epilepsy. However, if kept in great health, they can live for 12 to 15 years. That's really long for a large breed, so that's kind of awesome. Now, the origin of the Irish Setter, well, guess what? Where do they come from? <laughs> Ireland, of course. Irish Setters have been bred there for about over, well, a little over 200 years. And with a wonderful sense of smell, the Setter is a type of dog that locates game birds by smell. Developed in the early 1800s, the Irish Setter was most likely the result of breeding Spaniels, English Setters, Gordon Setters, and Pointers together. The first Irish setter to arrive in America was a dog named Elko, who was imported in 1875. Not only a success in the show ring, but he was also a proven champion in the field as well. In 1878, a dog by the name of, uh, name of Admiral, he actually became the first Irish setter registered to the AKC. The popularity of the Irish setter began to grow in the 1960s and 70s when the book and the movie titled Big Red came out, and people became more familiar with the breed and of course fell in love with them. Now, another popular Irish setter of the time was then-President Richard Nixon's dog, King Dimaho. He was named after a small town in Ireland where the president's ancestors had once lived. Now, interestingly enough, there were actually three Irish setters that made their way into the White House in the 20th century. Uh, the second one is Peggy, which was Ronald Reagan's dog, and then President Harry Truman's Irish setter, Mike.
next on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Barry from Norfolk, Virginia. Barry says, my dog is really excitable. I mean, really excitable, especially with other dogs. Sometimes she will accelerate her excitement to a level that it causes a fight with other dogs during playtime. What can I do to stop this behavior? Well, Barry, you know, the first thing, honestly, I have to tell you is you might want to consider hiring a professional in your area, a trainer or behavior specialist that can come help you with this. With something like aggressive tendencies, uh, you really need to know what you're doing and you need to make sure that you're aware of body language, how to read dogs' body language, and learning how to head off those behaviors before they get to that point. Okay, that's the important part of it is trying to stop and redirect those behaviors before they accelerate into a fight. Um, now, if I got a phone call from a client in my area that was saying this was you know, one of the issues that they're having, the first question I'm going to ask is, do you walk your dog? How is the walk? How is the quality of the walk? What does the walk look like? And um, you know, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know I have a very particular criteria for how we walk our dog. There's a right and a wrong way to do it, and you must be walking your dog the right way. That's where it starts. That's where heading off these kinds of undesired behavior, even in something in playtime, it starts with a walk. So I recommend you go back and listen to episode two, How to Walk Your Dog. I dive into more details about that. Um, but if you're not getting on a quality walk with your dog, that's the first thing you have to fix right there. It is. You, you got to get on that. Get them some mental stimulation, some physical stimulation, and hopefully bringing that physical energy down will make them more manageable. Now, next thing, you need to be able to redirect their focus during playtime or when they get a little more intense. So the next question I would ask is, do you as the owner have control over playtime when you're playing with your dog? Other dogs aren't involved, just you and your dog. Do you have control over playtime or does, does your dog control you? If the dog controls playtime, that's a problem. That's going to lead to issues with playing with other dogs. So if you don't have control with your dog over playtime, then I would recommend avoiding working and playing with other dogs until you get that under control. Okay, really important detail right there. Uh, so get playtime, get a, get a good walk under control first, get playtime between you and your dog under control. Then you want to work on being able to redirect that overexcited behavior before it happens. Okay, you need to learn to recognize the signs of a fight or too much overexcitement during play. You need to recognize those signs before it happens. That way you can guide and direct and redirect that behavior before it accelerates and you can, you know, head off those uh, undesired behaviors. Next question. This comes from Eustace from Eustace, Florida. That's awesome. <laughs> no, uh, really, Eustace from Eustace. That's fantastic. I, Eustace says, I live on a few acres and my dog will not come when called. It is a fenced property, so he doesn't run away. But no matter what I do, he doesn't listen. What do I do? Well, Eustace, you know, the first thing I would say is go back and listen to episode 11. Uh, I talk more in depth about off-leash work and the recall and where it starts. But look, as I tell all my clients, as I tell everybody, if you want your dog to listen from 50 feet away, 100 feet away, so on and so forth, your dog has to know how to listen on two feet, uh, from two feet away, right? And I'm just going to go back and say the same thing. Do you walk your dog? Do you exercise your dog? Do you have a proper walk under control? Because if you don't have a proper walk with your dog then you're probably not creating very good focus. And if you can't create focus, then again, th there's just no way to be able to get your dog to come back to you from a distance with no leash, right? So it all starts with a leashed up dog, a proper walk. Eustace, go back, listen to episode two, how to walk your dog in episode 11, off leash work and the recall. I go more in depth on that. But it starts with getting your dog to come to you from five feet away on a leash, right? Tethered so that we can't run from you and being able to reward and reinforce that desired behavior with food, okay? And, and of course, affection. 
um, and teaching them to come back to you with maybe a, a, a noise, um, a command, whatever the case may be. Hey, even a whistle. Now my whistle for my dogs when they're out in the yard and they'll come, you know, come back. So you can condition and pair food and affection with some form of noise. You have to start on leash. Then you can gradually work more and more distance between you and your dog. And then before you know it, they'll come running when you when you give the cue, okay? But again, it starts with a proper walk. It starts with two feet of leash. And then you grow it and build it and condition it from there. And that's how you get your dog to come back to you um, when you live on that much land. The answer to today's trivia question, what breed of dog famously has a purple tongue? It's the Chow Chow. The color of the chow's tongue, it can either be blue, purple, or black, depending upon the individual dog. And the reason these dark shades appear is the presence of pigmented cells in the tongue. And these are the same cells that are responsible for imparting color to the human skin as well. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, be sure you can do that right now. You can also find me on social media, Instagram Speak a Dogcast, Facebook Speak a Dogcast. If you have any questions for that listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Have a wonderful week. Give your dog some extra hugs today. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. <laughs>